Welcome back to the podcast. The only podcast done completely ironically. Do you know what else we do ironically? Watch, Watch anime. Because, nice. uh, dear viewers, that's what, or listeners, right? That's yeah. what we've been doing for the past uh, two days. We haven't um, done that in a while. So yeah, we haven't watched there. anime in quite some time, but, um, uh, yeah, we found a source to, uh, definitely watch it very legally. Um, uh, yeah. Definitely no piracy in this house. No, 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 not, not this Christian not household. Whatsoever. Yeah. Um, also, I just heard a Discord notification go off. Yeah. Just mute that real quick. There Probably a good idea. Definitely a good idea. Anyways, you want to tell them what's, what's kind of been up lately? Yeah, so the past two uh, things we've done for the past two nights was uh, we've watched an anime film. So today we watched, uh, or yesterday we watched Maiden Abyss, Dawn of the Deep Soul. And today we watched Akira, simple Ye- name. From yeah. The, from the late 1980s. Simple name, complicated film. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's dive into Dawn of the Deep Soul first, because we actually will know how to talk about that yeah. one. Uh, so if you know us personally, you know that, or well, you probably know that I absolutely love the series Made in the Abyss, despite the little flaws that it has here and there, because I always have to mention that. But overall, I absolutely love the series. Fantastic adventure, just everything is just so much fun and so, like, cool the concepts are so cool basically it's about two kids diving down a giant chasm the giant chasm is full of dangers and like crazy creatures and really cool environments and stuff and so it's just it's just a really dope adventure story the little girl wants to go down there to meet her mom again and and one of the the other little kid a little boy he's a cyborg robot and he's trying to find out what his purpose is you say cyborg robot but he doesn't really look like a cyborg yeah he just the the only mechanical part about him is his arms which are like literally like grappling hooks but with like normal hands and stuff and it's super dope yeah it's it's like it's like spider-man but like mechanical it's really cool yeah. So yeah, we, we watched the movie and it was absolutely amazing. Like, I so the series itself is like thirteen episodes, and you know there's a little bit of action in it, but really there's not that much. It's mostly solely focused on the, the adventure. adventure aspect and just like scenery and things like that, and it's great music. And but the freaking movie! Oh my gosh, there is so much fighting. There's so much fighting. Yeah, there's a insane. lot of combat in the film, and it's really well animated it looks too. Sick, like it was so cool. Mostly because the the character they're fighting is also super sick. Yeah. Um. We want to go ahead and talk. You were about to say something. So. I don't actually know what I was about to say. Uh, so um. Ahead. You want to go ahead and talk about uh, the main villain of Dawn of the Deep Soul, Bondrude? Yeah. So I don't. I, I feel like no one we're talking to is actually going to watch the series, but yeah. at the same time, I don't want to spoil anything just in case someone does watch it. So yeah, Bondrude is a dude, and he's a bad guy, and that's just about all you need to know for right now, um, I guess. Uh, but he's really well done. He's a, yeah. he, he's, I guess, maybe we, just spoiler warning, right? Can we just say spoiler warning if you want to watch the series? Yeah, uh, let's watch, do that. If watch you want to watch the series, just... End the podcast right now. Uh, maybe like jump to about twenty two minutes in, and we'll be talking about Akira instead. Yeah, if you want, if you want to do that, because I really recommend it. It's a great series. Um, anyways, so yeah, that. But last call. I'm gonna start spoiling crap now. <laughs> um, 
So basically, Bonjour is this scientist guy, and the way that this giant chasm works, known as the Abyss, is basically the further down you go, it the harder it is to get out. Not necessarily because the trek itself is hard to get out of, but because the Abyss has this weird curse thing that if you move about 10 meters up, you immediately start to suffer like tons of physical side effects. So depending on how deep you go. Depending on how deep you went. So at this point, the characters are about like on the fifth level, which basically means... Five like, out, uh, the fifth out of like seven. Yeah, which basically means if you go up you're pretty much gonna die yeah the like, the fifth layer uh the character state in the film is the last is the last layer you can go up before you literally just die yeah yeah so it's possible that you just die going up in the fifth layer or it's also possible you just straight up lose your humanity that's like sixth just, layer i think that's also fifth layer really okay i'm pretty sure yeah yeah no it is um but, uh, so, yeah, that's basically what happens. And, um, anyways, so Bonjour is this scientist guy that wants to figure out a way to kind of, didn't, like, get rid of that effect, that curse thing. So he figures out a way to do it is by basically transferring the curse of one person onto another person. So he sacrifices tons of people, mostly, mostly kids, children, <laughs> um, that are just, like, on the streets and stuff. And he's just like, oh, do you want a purpose? I'll give you a purpose. And they're like, okay. And then, yeah, they just die. <laughs> he just kills tons of children. Um, it's really bad. Anyways, so yeah, he he basically figures out a way to do this. And what happens and what you begin to really sense in this villain character is that he literally does not have emotions. He is completely devoid of empathy. He's just not even, Or apathy. He's just not human anymore. He's just, he's just the husk. I, I said that he's the husk of the physical embodiment of progress. All he wants now is to make something move on, is, or is to make something just progress in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, it, it gets pretty wild. Anyways, so, you know, he has, like, a daughter, essentially, down in this uh, giant, like, Fortress. Basically, fortress laboratory that he has lived in for quite a long time with a bunch of little minions of himself, essentially clones, that he can just kind of transfer his consciousness into each time one of his him, the, his main self dies, he just transfers himself into another clone. Um, anyways, so yeah, so he has a daughter, and basically towards the end of the film, they're fighting Bondrude, the scientist, I don't know if I said his name, they're fighting him, and you know, they keep they keep doing all this stuff to him to constantly like make him use up these cartridges that he uses to tr constantly transfer the curse onto basically previously living people that he basically just like degrades into like a few basic components of a human form of meat sacks of meat sacks inside these cartridges and so he just keeps using them up like crazy and eventually it gets to the point like like, as he kind of, like, launches these cartridges out of the case he has on his back, he, like, says the names of the people that he, he used for them. And then he launches one last one, and he says the name of his daughter. So, yeah, he killed his daughter. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty... It's a, it's a rough watch for anyone who's, like... I don't know, maybe, like, actually has a slight tinge of emotion yeah, inside of any, them. Anyone who, who has cried in a film before, like, that's gonna... It would be a hard one to watch. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, not even because it's necessarily sad, it's just so shocking. It's shocking and it hurts. Like, genuinely, 
so you know the scene where he the scene where he says the name of his daughter after he's killed her um you know he launches out three cartridges he says their names then he launches out the last one and, and he's you know, just like that oh. pause and like when that happened i was like oh my gosh did that did he actually just do what i think he did and he says and he says her name and my jaw just went slack like for a solid His five jaw minutes hit the i floor. just could not <laughs> i couldn't comprehend what just happened it was it was horrible and, you know, these are children we're talking about. The main characters are kids. And so, you know, there's just so much death going on right now. It's so wild. There's definitely some some blood to it. Yeah. It, it, it's not necessarily, like, carnage or anything like that. But it's not... It's grotesque. It's a li- It's pretty grotesque. It's nasty. It's gross. Um. Anyway, so, yeah. And I think... One of the most painful parts about it is so, like, they, you know, quote-unquote, beat Bondrude. And so, you know, they're they're going to move on to their next thing, uh, to the next layer to keep to continue on their journey. Um, but before they kind of... Before they do that, um, one of the characters is kind of topping to, like, what's left of Bondrude. And... But it's crazy, because he's like... Oh, I didn't really care who won. As long as as long as either one of us wins, something's going to be happening. If I win, like I just keep doing my experiments, and if you win, you continue on your adventure. I see it as a win-win. Like as as long as progress is being made, I'm happy, I guess. He doesn't even say he's happy. It's just like I just want that's all I want. And so you get this almost unsatisfying feeling of just like he just doesn't care. So him, quote unquote, losing doesn't hurt him. It doesn't he's mean anything to him. He's not necessarily losing. He's just being overcome. Yeah. And he doesn't care. Like, he doesn't mind that at all. And so, you know, like, so, you know, they, they leave that leftover half of them there. And then, you know, the movie kind of cuts. And it shows them moving on to, like, this elevator thing to move on to the sixth layer. And there he is again, but, like, in another... In another form, or like in another clone, I guess. Body. And so, and the thing about that is, is like some people probably find that annoying because it's like, wow, so he like doesn't learn. But the thing is, at this point, he's a lost cause. He can't learn anymore. So it doesn't matter whether he died or didn't die. His his emotions would remain the same. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think, despite him still being alive, I don't think he's actually going to continue doing his thing anymore. Because he's kind of, and like it's kind of been ended in a sense. Yeah. You know, like do you, do you think he'll keep doing it, or do you, do you think he's gonna stop? Jeez, I'm thinking about it. I'm not I don't sure. Freaking no. Yeah. So, anyways, so yeah, that it was just wild, and I had actually been listening to the soundtrack of the movie for quite a while now because I loved the soundtrack of the series. And, uh, you know, I need to have music whenever I do schoolwork or write D&D notes. So I need something for inspiration, I guess. So I would listen to the original soundtrack quite a bit. But then I found out that the movie came out, and I found out that the soundtrack was out, and I was just like, oh, I kind of want to wait till I see the movie to listen to this, but at the same time, I could really use some more of these banging tunes. Let's see if they live up to the previous series. And I listened to it, like, oh my gosh, it's so freaking good. 
And so he, hearing these actual songs with the movie just felt really good for me. Like I just I I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was it was really awesome. Yeah. Another really great thing about Bondrid is the fact that uh they almost at the beginning, like whenever you're looking at him, you or like seeing him for the first time, you don't really know if he's weak or powerful. Because there's, it, it's not a, it's not a shonen anime, you know. Yeah, it's not yeah, like it's there's like it. these like these like complicated battle yeah, tactics. That, that's or... why the action catches you so off guard is because there's been no fighting. There's been very very little fighting. The only fighting there's been is like oh like there's this animal that kind of comes up to him. They have to figure out some way to mostly just escape them. Mm-hmm. They usually don't actually take them head on to like kill them or something like that. It's just like oh we just need to get away from it more or less or like trap it in some way to get away. But, but, but like, uh, um, it's, there's no, like, shonen battle mechanics, there's no, like, you know, freaking nan or stands or whatever, your quirks, um, it, it's, so, like, you don't really know how powerful he is, but the movie very easily and nicely displays just how strong he is in, like, the first, like, Basically 20, act. 30, yeah, in the first act, in the first, like, 20 or 30 minutes of the film, and it, it just it just felt it's just well done. Yeah, it, I I really appreciated it, that. It immediately demonstrated just how powerful the person was. Yeah, was, they basically try and trap him at one point because they know he's an enemy. They know he is. They don't necessarily know if he wants to hurt them, but they also don't want to take any chances. And so they kind of lure him into the trap of like this particularly like stupidly dangerous creature that you learn about earlier in the series. It's like this scorpion type thing. Anyways, so they, they lead him into one of its nests, and they kind of cause the nest to, like, cave in on him and make the scorpion all mad. And so they all escape, and they're just like, oh, wow, we got him. And then it just shows him absolutely obliterate the entire thing and just walk out completely unscathed. And just kind of applauding them, he's like, wow, that was amazing. That was so genius of you guys. You're so smart. Like, I never would have thought of something like that. It's just like... Bruh. He's not even like I never would have thought <laughs> yeah, of something. He didn't say that, he but... he thought that they didn't know that it was a nest for the things. Yeah, yeah. So he's more just like pleased to see that they're smart in a sense. Exactly. That's that's the thing about this villain is that there was no winning with him. Yeah. You can't you can't beat him. He's just an obstacle to like overcome. Yeah, he's just a wall that you have to climb over. He's yeah. not a freaking a person that you can beat or kill or yeah. subdue. In it wasn't any exactly way. like it wasn't like Thanos or something like that cuz you know, they beat Thanos, you know? And Thanos feels the loss yeah. in the end. But Bonjour doesn't feel that ever. <laughs> he's literally like it's impossible to make him lose. Yeah, so... it's impossible to make him lose because he's already won in a sense. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, no time reversal in this series. At least so far. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Eventually they're gonna find a freaking relic that yeah, like... reverses time. Yeah. Oh, also freaking Dark Rag. That was kind of wild. Yeah, so one of the characters... So what are the characters... The little cyborg kid. The little cyborg boy. He, uh... He's already been displayed... Or not displayed, but like... In the first episode, he suffers from memory loss... Um, and you don't really know why, obviously, but, like, so that that's kind of why he's going to the, that's why he's going to the bottom of the abyss. One is to help Rico, who's the, the girl trying to get to the bottom to find her mom. Uh, but then it's also to kind of find his purpose and who made him and where he, where he's from type of thing. Um, but, like, 
uh, Rico finds him because he saves her from from a big creature that's not necessarily that wasn't supposed to be in the lair she was in. Um and uh but she like uses uh high powered electricity to wake him up again and then he suffers from memory loss. Um but essentially what I'm assuming is he kind of has a he has a DID uh, he has a diso- he has dissociative identity disorder, cause in in Dawn of the Deep Soul they kind of find out like, hey, uh, you're kind of on a timer, um, and you're like expanding expending energy every time you use this giant freaking nuke blast from your arm that you can do, <laughs> and he's just like, oh, it's their only method of defense if we're being honest. Yeah, they have no real way of defending themselves or beating anything large, so they have to just kind of use this incinerator cannon yeah and he's just like oh well that's no good right and they're like yeah uh well last time rico like freaking supercharged you with electricity like maybe we'll do that again there's a giant generator in here let's go find that so they do that and then he he charges himself up with electricity um and then he is something whenever he does that something happens to him uh, and what I'm assuming is his freaking... Essentially, his, he swapped personalities, because essentially, eventually, as the film he, goes he on... He comes to his senses. He comes to his senses, and he says, like, I felt there were, like, multiple people inside of me, and one of them took control for a bit. Uh, which very much sounds like a DID to me. I mean, if, <laughs> if you've ever seen the freaking Anthony Padilla, I spent a day with people with DIDs, like, I mean, that sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. I've never seen that, but from what you say, I'll just trust you. Yeah, and then also, uh, I'm pretty sure the uh, the original thing that protected Rico was like a defendant, like a like a military like a defendant, defendant form, form of, of yeah, personality. That's actually really interesting. I never thought of that. I bet that's what that's it really is. Cool. I bet they're gonna, yeah. Anyway, Made in Abyss is just a pretty good series. You want us just talk about Made in Abyss for a bit, just in general? Yeah, just a little bit. We'll try and go up to like 22. Yeah. So all the people who are okay with us talking about Akira can hear us talk about Akira. Uh, what, what do you want to start with? Uh, I don't know. Uh, where do you... Uh, you you like the series a lot, so... Yeah, I, I guess you I like do. the series more I than me. I probably like it more than you. Um, I, 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 that's the thing. I don't really know why I like it so much. If I'm being honest, it just hit. It, it just hit different. Like, just for me personally, it just hit... Re- it wasn't something I'd really experienced before, I guess. And it's like it whenever just, you experience an open world video game for the first time. Yeah, and so you know, I saw this series, and I was like, "Wow, that's really that was, different." That was so special. It just felt really special to me. Um, and you know, I think I think a lot of people will probably say like, "I just couldn't get behind the characters." That's probably the biggest reason why people wouldn't don't be watch able it. to enjoy it because they're kids, and it's also in Japanese, so they have high voices that are kind of annoying uh, for most people. But I didn't mind that. I didn't mind it at all. Like, I thought it was kind of charming just seeing these kids that are so innocent and naive and they're just like, yeah, let's go on this big grand adventure. Like, like, like sure, we'll probably die, but like, like and, I'll yeah, die trying. I was, I was like, oh. <laughs> and so, you know, they're doing this crazy thing and it's just so crazy and seeing them make it, make, get through all it. You know what else is really great about it? There's no cheap gimmicks. In a sense. What do you mean? Like, there's never any sort of, like, deus ex machina of some kind. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel yeah. like a lot of animes have just, like, 
this weird random thing that kind of happens and you just kind of have to accept it. Even if they don't even name the weird random thing. Just some things just happen and it works and you just kind of accept it. That kind of happens in Akira, if I'm being honest. Um, well, that's probably explained like, in the manga. Or like particular like people have powers and stuff like that. And just particular powers are totally out of proportions. So you're never really able to say, oh yeah, that made sense that that's how it worked. So none of that really exists. Like you could say Reg's incinerator cannon is one of those things. But at the same time, it's like, no, it's pretty consistent that whatever hit, whatever incinerator hits dies. Yeah. That has never been broken. <laughs> so I feel kind of like there's none, there's none of that in the series. So everything that happens makes sense. Or like you can say, like, yeah, like that didn't seem out of place or I don't feel like I need to question why that happened. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Or like like with Ozen, she's called Ozen the Immovable. She has like god-tier defense. So, you know, Reg has a quick little fight with her and he just can't penetrate her. It's just like, yeah, because she's Ozen the Immovable and she just is very hard to take down and you're it's not like you're a fighter or anything like that. So, yeah, it makes sense why he loses. Yeah. And and then just a moment um, and then, yeah, then, like, Riku, Riko, she, she's read a lot, so she knows about the creatures and what you can find in the Abyss and stuff like that. She's just an encyclopedia for the Abyss, so she knows how to cook, she knows what to look for, she knows what's dangerous and all that stuff. So it's like, everything's just so grounded to me. I feel like everything's so grounded. In a very fantasy setting. And I don't have any issues think accepting it as, like, realistic in a sense. Yeah. It felt realistic. And, and and it made sense, and I liked that. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I mean, like, can, you, can you think of any examples that would say otherwise? Uh, no, not really. The 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 white orby in in the in the goblet of giants doesn't die to the incinerator. I can't really remember why. I don't think he shoots it with the incinerator. Oh, that's right. He never shoots it. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't. Uh, he does, and then he, that's how he kills it. Do, does he kill it? With I the don't end? think he ever kills it. I think they just escape. Yeah, they just escape because he has to grapple up onto something, and that's how Rico starts to get super hurt. Like, she gets poisoned. I, I know, I know but, like, but they, they're able to make it through the, the Goblet of Giants uh, with, uh, with Nanachi. Oh, like... shoot. We're, st- we're past 22 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we'll leave this argument aside, and yeah. let's talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, the Akira. Movie. We how how many minutes ago did we finish it? Like, literally, like thirty minutes ago. We finished it thirty minutes ago, and I still can't wrap my head around okay, it. Okay, exactly. So that's what Akira does that made the biz doesn't do. Yeah, because it's because it's, it's totally blown out of proportions. Yeah, because, uh, again, the, that's one of the reasons why uh, the film is, like, a compromise, is because I think there are some things that are more in-depthly explained yeah. in, in the manga. So basically, the premise of Akira... I don't know if you want to say this, because uh, I, I kind of just did that with me in the book. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, I guess it's my turn, right? I'll yeah, contribute. I, I didn't shut up, so I think people want to not hear my voice at this point. <laughs> Um, so the premise of Akira is, so in the, in the dis- distant past future, essentially this film was made in like the late, late 80s, 1988. Yeah, a late 80s. Uh, and so 
it, the film takes place in 2019, where uh, it's a little bit after this universe's World War II. Um, and, uh, well, everything in Japan has gone to trash, and uh, there's, like, biker gangs and whatnot. Gone to trash, but still futuristic. Yeah. Because, you know... Cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, and so that's what's happening right right now right and uh there's a biker gang and they essentially they get involved in some things that they're not supposed to by uh finding a strange psychic child running away with a uh i guess like a uh a mole in this like secret government organization and so uh yeah essentially they get caught up in that and then one of them gets taken because he gets uh he gets psychic blown away by by this psychic child and uh they take the government takes him in and starts experimenting on him and they're like hey uh this kid's got a lot of uh psychic resentment in him uh you want to freaking like experiment on him and see what we can do uh yeah sure let's do it uh apparently he's as strong as akira and eventually you find out who akira is and it's pretty freaking crazy yeah uh the whole so the the thing that's I kind of want to watch uh more like early eighties Japanese films because what what they do a lot of the time is so like take uh I've never seen the film but I know how it, uh, how it works uh take Predator so in Predator you get the the helicopter scene where you know all the characters get introduced uh through very nice like show don't tell ways uh, and like nice conventions. Uh, films from Japan in these, in this time, don't do that at all. You get thrown into the action, and you hardly even know the characters' names, and stuff just kind of happens, and you just kind of have to accept it. You have to accept it, and you also, eventually as the movie progresses, you, you get a hang of who's important, who's not so important, and you can just barely managed to start picking out faces and remember like i think this is his name or maybe it's that letter that makes his name i can't remember what his name yeah. is quite uh, another another japanese film that does that is uh, nausicaa and the valley of wind uh they just kind of throw you into the the middle it sometimes feels like the the film skipped the introduction yes uh because they just throw you into this like living breathing world yeah and it's just like you're just gonna kind of have to deal with that yeah um no i i think like even like ghibli films ghibli films totally do the same yeah i feel like uh the, the earlier ones do i feel like house moving castle does it yeah house moving castle definitely does it i don't know how long it takes. no really no i think you because really the only important characters in the film are like I think just some of the film just isn't really explained. Um, but I feel it, the I feel like character introduction, it does. I feel like in you're introduced to a lot of characters at the beginning, but, like, you only need to wait, like, 15, 20 minutes to really learn, like, okay, so these are the people that are actually important. It's not even 15, 20 minutes. It's, like, 10. Yeah, maybe it is, like, 10. I, I saw the film much more recently than That's did. true. That's true. You're right. Yeah, and we watched Howl's Moving Castle whenever anime was very new to us. Yeah. So you yeah you probably are remembering it a little bit wrong yeah um I don't know I just remember she becomes old really fast <laughs> she does become old very fast but it's like it's like first ten minutes but like again that's like the whole point of the film yeah so yeah it fair. makes sense that it happens yeah I mean in Akira it literally takes like a 
decent amount of time for uh, Tetsuo, who's kind of one of the main characters, to even get his psychic powers. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But the movie's also two hours long, so yes. you have the time to do that. Okay, that's another thing about this film, is the fact that a lot of the older fil- like Japanese films aren't very long, because uh, animation's expensive. And, and it's hand-drawn. The entire film's hand-drawn. And, oh my gosh, this film holds back nothing. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Also, uh, just another, just a kind of fact I already knew about Akira before watching it. Uh, it was kind of supposed to be like a, like a, so yes, like a lot of, like the these cartoons are like for children, but these can be for adults. And that's the kind of the point of Akira mm-hmm. was to kind of show like the power of the animated medium. And that's why it's so, like, grotesque. So it's and, made specifically for... So it's actually yeah. made for adults, yeah. even though it's animated? Yes. Okay. It, it is an animated film made for adults. And specifically for specifically adults. Specifically for it's adults. For yeah. Um, I think even Japan can admit that. Yeah, no. J- definitely. Uh, I mean, there's... Oh, wait. There's actual violence in it, so of course it's for adults. Yeah. Um, It's pretty freaking intense. Like... I rem- I feel like we were looking at each other a lot whenever we were watching it, just like... You think so? I thought it was pretty glued to the screen. At the beginning, maybe. Just like, is that what's going on? Yeah, I think that's happening. Because, I-, I don't know. I-, I thought we were looking at each other a decent amount. I don't remember looking at you. Yeah, um... <laughs> that sounds so rude. I don't remember looking at you. Yeah. Um, so, just... It- would you recommend these... Uh, Made in Abyss, I would recommend the series, and if you liked the series, and freaking yes, watch the movie, it was awesome. Akira, it depends on the person. Yeah. If you're kind of a historic person, then I would recommend Akira. I mean, Akira is actually one of the most influential animated films in Japan. So if you're into kind of the history and the legacy of particular films and stuff like that, then heck yeah, watch Akira. If you just want to... If you've watched anime and you're kind of into just watching something kind of crazy and kind of unique, then heck yeah, watch Akira. If you are just a normal American, average average person who just kind of watches movies occasionally, don't watch Akira. It's not what you want to watch. No, go (laughs) watch. Go watch something else. Go watch a Ghibli film. Go watch a Ghibli film or something because you're just not going to understand. You have... You have to have a little bit of experience in the Japanese cinematic culture and ways and methods in order to understand and be able to enjoy Akira, or Akira, whatever you want to call it. Um, I guess it is Akira, right? I mean, you, you, you're putting really too much emphasis on the I, because it's Akira. Akira. Because you have to... I'm just going to keep saying Akira. Yeah, you go ahead. So, you know, yeah, so you have to have some form of experience before watching Akira, uh, like in Japanese and cinema methods. By the way, this this film it has no mercy. Yeah. Uh, this film is uh, blatant symbolism. Like this is this is probably bridled with like metaphors and craziness. Like uh, it's not necessarily like an easy to understand. Like ah, this is good guy. This is bad guy. Uh, is type type of stuff. You know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even necessarily realize that because, like, I, I don't really know if I'd call any of the characters good guys. None of the characters are good I guys. Think most of them are just 
people. Most of, yeah, there it, it's it's less of a good guy bad guy because it's not a hero's journey. Yeah, it's just these are people doing this crazy. Yeah, like here's this character. You're gonna follow him. That, there's no morals or anything like that. It's just you're following this character, so that's that's who it's gonna take place yeah. from the point of view of. And then crap unravels. Yeah. And for the latter like thirty minutes of the film, it's nothing but nonstop explosions. Yeah. It's pretty wacky. Yeah. But granted, you already had your hour and a half of plot, I guess. It plot kind of. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I feel bad for saying it like that because I'm not saying it's like a bad movie. I thought it was great. I had a blast watching it. Uh, it's it's just very much not your uh, I Western ideal of plot. Yeah, it's just very it not very Western. much how Death Grips stretches the boundaries of music. Akira stretches the boundaries of what Western people would think of a plot and like story and movie, movie and story general. and animation. Yeah, like, like, what's a crazy American movie, if you will, if you can even think of? One. I can't. I can't think of it. I can't think of one because the reason why I feel American movies are like crazy is usually like scope or like scale. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know. I th- okay, so crazy American movie. I will say. Rampage, I guess. I that movie's just kind of wacky, if you Which will. Which one? Like, Rampage? W- w- yeah, what one is Rampage? The guy just, like, kills a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. That one. And then frames his friend. Yeah. Yeah. That one. That one's just kind of a... Not the weird... Dwayne Johnson one with the albino girl. Oh, <laughs> I forgot that movie existed, which is understandably so. Um, but yeah, so Rampage is basically just, like, about a dude who... I guess hates fought, society. He hates society and wants to like fight against overpopulation or something. <laughs> or I, or I, something. I thought that was part of it, or at least that's what I was told. I never got that, but that's what uh, cousin told me. So I was just like, oh, okay, I guess. And he basically just like buys a bunch of equipment online and just like guns down a freaking city and then frames his friend. Um, so that movie just kind of exists. It was just kind of crazy. There's not a whole lot of. I guess substance to yeah. it, if you will. And I feel but at the same time, I guess the point of that film is like solely just to like be like, if you're bored and you just want to watch something, you, put something... you just want to watch something where a guy just kills a bunch of people, then you can watch this movie, I guess. So that's kind of the point. I feel like I don't think there's much else to it. But with with Akira, there was definitely a purpose to it. You can tell there is because you don't necessarily just make something that wacky just and grotesque, that. And, and but and then just for the heck of it. Yeah, like I like you know you don't make a two hour long movie of hand drawn animation just for the heck of it. People are turning into giant hand babies and freaking exploding, and their psychic children and yeah, that look like old people. Yeah. I think I think they people. look. I, I think it, it's very st- like slightly implied. I think they look like that because of the medication they take to withhold their psychic powers. Yeah, which is totally a metaphor for something. Like yeah. Akira, like watching the film makes me want to research the film. Yeah, I can, I can, I can attest to that. Because uh, like I very, I very much want to see. Like, there's so much I'm probably missing. Like, it makes me want to read the manga too. There's so much I'm probably, like, missing or, like, misunderstanding or, like, you know, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure it's probably, you know, I mean, it takes place, like, quote-unquote, after World War II, right? Um, and I'm pretty sure it's probably, like, a message against, like, nuclear weapons or, like, 
scientific testing, but there's also weird introspection about the, the beginning of the universe yeah. and, like, the Big Bang and yeah. them going into, like, the freaking subatomic planes. Japan has such a weird position when it comes to science. Yeah. Castle in the Sky, Made in the Abyss, Akira. Like, I feel like all three of those movies have science in such a weird... I think Full Metal Alchemist. A, Full Metal Alchemist. I think it's, like, a weird... I think this is a bad thing, actually. I think what they say is it's useful till it starts destroying everything. Also, science always has close ties with the military. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, can you blame them? Yeah. No, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna dis. <laughs> Freaking Albert. Yeah, Albert Einstein. Duh. No wonder. <laughs> thanks, Einstein. Oh gosh, but yeah. So I don't know. I, I, thanks, Mister Obvious. Good job, Justin. You're so smart. You're, wow. You're so intelligent. How philosophical of yeah, you. Yeah, you must be a scientist yourself. But yeah, so it's just kind of funny. Like, that's a pretty consistent thing mm-hmm. with, with Japanese media. Is science is always very close to the military. Yeah. I feel like that's not always the case in American stuff. No. Or like, like when you see the military in American movies, there's usually not like a scientist associated along with the freaking general. Un- un- I feel like the, unless... the general is always the big guy and then the scientist is a little henchman on the side and stuff. Unless it's like a really poorly made uh, like science fiction film in which that always happens. But, like, science fiction, that's kind of the point. Yeah, right? exactly. You literally say science yeah. fiction, so obviously... But I feel a, a lot of Japanese media almost bridges the gap between, like, norm- normal, like, I guess a normal film and science fiction. Yeah. Pretty consistent. I feel yeah. so much of Japanese media consists of, quote-unquote, science fiction. Because I think that's just kind of where they are as a society. Yeah. Science fiction becomes a reality so quickly... Because of how quickly their, or our technology as a world progresses. Yeah. I don't know. But that's getting into, like, freaking philosophy and <laughs> crap. And this is the freaking podcast. This is the podcast. We don't do that. Oh, we're just here to talk about anime and... The things we do ironically. Yeah. And we, we also tell you what you should do. But not necessarily ironically. You should. Stay Stay poggers. poggers.